One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Include, but it's not later. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song. But hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. They are divided For equal sequel Hate and love they fight it I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive A big thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song It is Independence Day 2022 My name is Zach Weber And joining me is the Portius with the Mortius Chris Happy to be here to discuss uh, yet another incarnation of the death of the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. And we have professional gamer Zanger, yeah. question mark? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Happy America Day, everybody. Uh, saluted there, too. You, yes. Audio medium, but you better hear that salute because it was it's, that perfect. It's like the third or fourth America Day, like after like Christmas, Independence <laughs> Day, Memorial Day. And I Labor don't know, Day. Thanksgiving. Like, I feel like Independence Day is somewhere in that, like, uh, top four somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in there. Alrighty, folks. But we are here to talk about something that Zenger has promised for years now. Like, something that I lambasted a lot back in 2019. I will say it is not the definitive recording on this topic because I promised Jerry Loyal super loyal Knights of Vader fan that I will include him in this. And uh, Chris weirdly provided insurance with this by inviting him to the recording in the last five minutes, which Jerry, if you're listening to this, I did not condone. I yelled at Chris. I uh, verbally scolded him for doing this. So I apologize in advance, but no, I I promise Jerry, I will have you on this episode as I did roughly at this point, 30 months ago. I will have you on, whether it be for Jedi Fallen Order 2 or some sort of definitive thing involving me actually playing the game within the last three months. But Zenger is very, very ready to talk about this game, aren't you, Zanger? I am, and we could do a lead up to Jedi Survivor and have him on for that, like what we anticipate. I refuse to call that game that name. That is a stupid name. It's Jedi Fallen Order 2. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. Or Jedi Fallen Fallen Order 2 Judgment Day. Uh, Jedi... Jedi Fallen Order, Fallen Law and Order. Jedi Fallen Order 2, Fallen Kingdom. Perfect. <laughs> All righty, so, so Zenger, please tell us the odyssey that led us to this moment in time where you finally completed this game that's been out now for two, two and a half plus years. Keep in mind, this game is as old as The Mandalorian Season 1 is. Uh, November of 2019 is when this game was released, originally announced... Uh, during E3 2018, more details were revealed during celebrations of April 2019. Um, due to favorable critic reviews and its commercial success, there is a sequel coming out, as we discussed, Jedi uh, Law and Order SVU. Um, I don't know what the SVU stands for in this, but whatever. Sport Utility Vehicle? Yes. I bought this game when it came out at Target. Why did I know I came from Target? Because I have a pop figure of the um, numbered sister. Second sister? Yes. Trilla. Thank you. 
uh, second sister trail. I have a pop figure of that. Um, me and Ellie got it. We're very excited about it. Mm, couldn't get into it back then. Sat around. Um, had it on PlayStation. Sat around on there. Uh, decided to become more of a PC gamer during that time. They were they had you know one of the oh it's, everything's on sale. So of course me having a ton of Star Wars stuff, it was like hey we'll give you like. 20 bucks you can get fallen order collector's edition you can also get battlefront 2 and for free we'll throw in squadrons because please play that game and i was like why not here's 20 bucks so i got them all and still did not play it well new year comes around um friend of the show adam friend of zingness i don't know if he listens to this but friend of zingness was like you need to play this game so what are my new year's resolution i picked three games i need to beat one, Jedi Fallen Order. Two, Chrono Trigger. Three, I think I said Final Fantasy. Seven, the original one. But I can't remember. So that's kind of an up in the air one. I could listen to the episode, but who would do that? So needless to say, did I attempt to play this game? Absolutely not. Instead, I attempted to play uh, Chrono Trigger. Then I got distracted by God of War on the PC. Then I got even more distracted by a game called Elden Ring. And... My body and mind were forged in 180 hours worth of time, forged in the fires of that game. I mean, just just hammered down by Scar's Scourge Radon, by Melania, Blade of Mikola, forged in that game. Taken and then, you know, you dip it in the water. No, it was dipped in the lake of rot. And I returned from there a better, stronger individual. And now I laugh at Souls-like games because now I am... I, I get hit and I'm like, that's all you got. And so I went back to this game. So it was kind of in the same vein as the Souls games. And oh my gosh, the enemies when I appeared were like, oh crap. Because I I am now forged a god in Souls-like games. Whereas in this game, you're some peasantry Jedi instead of the godlike entity that you were in uh, Force Unleashed. Um Star Killer, you are somebody who actually can take damage from regular stormtroopers. It actually has to do some stuff. So dodge rolling my way through the rest of this game, I not only beat it, but I completed every single achievement on Steam and am now plowing through the PlayStation version of it. Did I like the game? Did I enjoy it? Well, we'll find out on the rest of this conversation. Zach, is that a good enough introduction? I think so. Uh, a little long-winded, but it'll suffice. I wanted to give everyone the journey of how I got here, of knowing that I put that much time into into Elden Ring, and it has paid off in dividends. Because now any of these games, it's like, oh, this is this is fun. This is fun for me. Because now apparently I just can't enjoy games unless I am getting smashed into the wall by something and just hating life. So I don't know what to do for the new Halo game now. I guess I got to play with like a freaking lobster attached to each ball and hope for the best, just to know pain again. Do we have to bleep that out? No. <laughs> Chris, what is your thoughts on uh, Jedi Fallen Kingdom? <laughs> wow. Uh, what an insult to the game. Um, uh, you know, I was just thinking as you guys were talking that like what what uh, it's it's amazing that you, we got we had a Mandalorian season going rise of Skywalker and and this around the same time. Like you'd think that time period would have been more memorable i don't know i got this one right when it came out i i played through it and it it was refreshing in the sense that 
you know, the the sales that you just mentioned, he just listed off all three Star Wars games that have come out in the last 12 years and he got them all together on one sale. And, uh, you know, so of those three, this one's the only one that's like sort of an actual game. And uh, BS as, as, as far as like a single player campaign that has is of any value whatsoever. That is not just a novelty add on that is built of the multiplayer game types. I I call I call shenanigans on this. Zach, you remember the intricate and well-made story in Battlefront 2, right? I'm sure you can name any of the characters from it. Inferno Squad. Iden Versio. <laughs> some guy. Some guy that's the villain. Period. And and Palpatine as a hologram robot. Okay, okay. Can we play? Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Whoa, whoa, I want to pause that for a second. I will say that Sentry Palpatine, whose job it was to like global warming planets, is kind of a fun pulpy idea. Like, like no, they did more than just that. Like, they were in the books too. It's just spouting out these random ideas Palpatine had. Operation Cinder, like that was great. Like that's something that that's a weird like 2014 idea of Lucasfilm that they've completely abandoned. Like I hope for Kenoba like season two that there's some like remnants of that where like Basil Oregano contacts him and it's like Obi-Wan, there's a plant that had like a delayed laser beam that tried to blow up the planet. Can you please like help them? Like that's what I want. Like Operation Cinder was one of those things that like, like was a major focal point of like, oh God, late to mid 2010s of Lucasfilm that they just completely distanced themselves from. No, they didn't. I I call shenanigans on you now, sir. Season two of Mandalorian. Best character arc, Stormtrooper, Boston McGuyface. Name name drop doesn't count. Boston McGuyface talks about Operation Cinder. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. If we're going to start counting random just like member berries, then no. Because I once said in the second to most recent Star Wars novel, Brotherhood, which Zenger, I beg you, please never read this book because – it is drier than Attack of the Clones. Okay, hold Ooh. on a second. Well, hold I on, wanna... hold, that th- hold that thought. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Okay, okay. In the current, in the book I'm current, the Star Wars novel I'm currently reading, Brotherhood, there is a very subtle like reference to like Anakin talking to Jaro Tapal in his redheaded Padawan, and I literally gave the novel the middle finger. I'm like, no, this isn't. This is like the worst type of member berry where you just throw in a name because you know stupid nerds reading this are going to recognize it. But continue. That is the only thing that got me through the the phenomenal quotation fingers everywhere. Um, aftermath trilogy was was having to wait for something that I was like, oh, oh, that's something I know about. By the way, af- after reading that, I know we've never done a formal discussion on it, and anyone who's read it will know this. That was an example of Lucas, of I mean, not, not Lucas, whoever was in charge at the time, taking a shotgun and just firing off into the distance, hoping that one of those things got a bullseye, because they set up all this crap that we still have not ever touched on. That, but that's a thing. Okay. They, they, were chapter- making sh- they were making sure they had established stuff everywhere. I know. And like as much as Chen- Chuck Wendig is an insane person, he did exactly what he was told. <laughs> he did. And 
And like I said, are those books memorable? Uh, I think Mr. Bones is like the only thing that I like from it. But I'm irritated because not only do we not get Mr. Bones in the sequel series, we get no mention that what is his what's his face from um, Heroes. Kevin Waxley. Is, is like this great – he's just there. He's just this guy wandering around. When in the books, he's like a huge focus as like the next big thing. Are you – okay, real qu- – we well, will get back to Fallen Order. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Let's go back to the actual topic and not uh, dissect the sequel trilogy and its uh, weird misnomers. So, Zach, what was your impressions of this? I think we went around the table and well, no, it's like, your I, turn. I, well, again, this goes back to uh, I did a brief like back in like spring 2020 before the world collapsed or as the world was collapsing. Um, I, again, it's no secret that in the lead up to this game, I was very, very uh, disengaged from it. I belittled it every single chance I got. And then when I eventually played it, I was wholeheartedly enamored with it. I love Cal Calrissian. I wish they would, would have given him a better name. I think Cam, what uh, Cameron Monaghan is his name. I think he does a fantastic job of bringing Cal to life. I I sat there like much like Chris when he bought his um oh god a salacious crumb knockoff, whatever it's called at Galaxy's Edge. Like the day like Galaxy's Edge quote went live end quote. I bought that. Cal Calrissian lightsaber for like four hundred dollars, and now it goes for like two twenty on eBay, just because I wanted that lightsaber. Um, no, I, I I adore this game. I think even to bring it back to its most uh, specific points, Vader. It does more with Vader in about three minutes than the entire season of Obi Wan Kenobi does. Um, I think in that one specific Boo moment on you. No, okay, absolutely disagree. Whatever you're booing me at, I think at that one moment when Vader just takes his two fingers and waves Seer away, I think that is more Vader at his ultimate potency than just watching him drag Obi Wan Kenobi over some hot coals. Um, again, we will. I, I sh- we should say a disclaimer. We will talk about part six of Obi Wan Kenobi um, and how throwing rocks at someone does not make good entertainment. Oh, boo on you. Oh, wait, I wasn't muted. Okay, well, I think, like, I have to just chime back in and remind you guys that, like, I, too, also think this game is really great, and it's presents itself not just in the cutscenes, but in the gameplay and the, like, sort of action direction of the gameplay in an extremely cinematic way, much unlike the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. So like there's all kinds of cool stuff that happens like that is visually evocative of some of the the best stuff in the Disney era. Like Zinger, well you'll probably remember, you know, early on in the game Cal's having these weird Order 66 flashbacks. Yeah. And one of them one of them you sort of get transported into a star destroyer and the hallway sort of you, you turn around and like it, it, the hallway sort of shoots down like a mile and it's like it stretches in front of you. And like there's something it's similar to the effect that happens in Ray's force vision and in, in the force awakens. And it's just kind of like the fact that you're actually controlling the character at that time makes it so much more engaging than an effect that's used in a cutscene Cause it's just, you're not expecting something like that to happen in an interactive segment of the game. And I just remember being very impressed by little, I mean, technically it's probably not an amazing achievement, but just the way it was presented 
the the style it was presented in I found very impactful and I really I think they gave the whole Jedi Purge in Order 66 a lot more character and weight than a lot of other mediums have lately since it's been shown from 40 different perspectives and counting yeah it's you know there's probably another um i'm guessing tales of the jedi will end up there after a few episodes as well it's gonna end with qui-gon jinn being hunted down by clone troopers <laughs> perfect perfect what what is, what is force ghost is going ooh, and then running through a wall and nails just slam into the wall after him it, it's a glorified scooby-doo episode perfect i love it can, can, can I write it, please? I, I think I can do better. You have to talk to Seth Green first. He gets first dibs after that. It's oh, all yours. Oh. So when they eventually tie up Force Ghost Qui-Gon, who's actually underneath the mask? <laughs> it, it, what? They they pull it off to reveal actual Kyle Cat. I, I don't know. Siphodius. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um. So no, I I mean going and actually playing this game, like it just the, the thing I ran into was I kind of it kind of at one point in the game gives you everywhere to go, and I just was like, oh, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do right now because I wasn't paying attention to the last dialogue. Anyways, I'll be back to this later, and I just eventually came back to it and realized, hey, I know what I'm doing now. I know how to get through the battles and stuff pretty easily. Now, because I've gotten the hang of how to dodge roll and do all this other counter stuff, because this game's really big on if you can dodge roll and if you can counter at the right time, game becomes a cakewalk. Like, super easy, in my opinion. When, what do you, um, like, I think the comparisons to Force Unleashed are, like, impossible to avoid. Like, because, I think largely because uh, your character has a similar backstory. The combat is vaguely similar. It takes place in the same time period, <laughs> like well, sort of. And, and it's just obviously the force abilities are like where, where force unleashed was look what we can do with uh, object physics on Xbox 360. This uh, is not leaning into that quite as much. No, th- th- this is actually focusing on stuff. And I mean, you can move stuff with the force, but it isn't like on the grandiose scale of chucking an entire like squadron of stormtroopers down a hallway. It's pushing like one or two of them back a little bit, freezing one or like it's it's on a scale of where Kyle Kestis is within his development as a Jedi Knight because he, he's a knight by the end of it and everything, which, by the way, quick spoiler alert for the near the end of the game. That scene where he gets knighted, B.A. Like, beyond B.A. One, because it's a callback to, of course, the greatest Star Wars of all time, the Clone Wars series. Yes, 2008 to uh, 2020. Not that one, the other one. Um, It's a callback to that. Also, it's still with the red lightsaber, which is really cool. If, If only she had given him a haircut at the same time. Nah. I... It's funny. I kept realizing that there was that scar and I just thought it was just like random pop in not working correctly or something. And then I found I was like, oh, crap, that's actually a scar on the side of his face. So I was referencing the fact that they cut off Anakin's little braid in 2003 Clone Wars singer. Yeah, what? it was cool. It was, but you couldn't do that with him because you didn't have when it got shot off like a champ. 
<laughs> but you but you know like I th- the thing this game has that not a lot of uh the the new star wars content has in my opinion is like it just there it feels like there was some effort to like make a sort of unified style like it you know it opens up with like some weird some weird like in-universe song and it turns out cal cal is listening to it on headphones like just a detail like that is like you know it's not the it it's sort of like the audio was first person for like the opening segment of the game. It's interesting. It's the, you know, they're trying stuff. It's, um, I, I, I think maybe, um, what's the planet where you end up in like the arena, which are, I, I'm, there's like a giant audience, like surrounding you and you fight some monsters in an arena, like sort of vaguely attack of the clone style. Is that ringing a bell? I forget what planet that is. It is, but I'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head. Yeah, that, I think that same band comes back and plays a similar but different song at that stage of the game, or it's the same song again. I don't know, but uh, you know, it's it's just like I just th- there's thought put into the gamers' perspective as they move through this, and it's sort of like it's not relying that much on the cinematics. Um, you know, there's a lot of the critiques I heard at the time were like around some of the mechanical sort of puzzles being incredibly difficult, like. Like, I don't know how you did you play. You said you played through it on PC the first time, right, Zinger? Yeah. And like, how did you find the uh, the, you know, on the planet where the jet hidden Jedi Temple is all the puzzles with like the big spheres that you have to like put on the little platforms? Like, was that incredibly annoying to do? It. It was slightly annoying. It. I mean, it's something to where like playing enough of like, um uncharted god of war older god of war any of those games it kind of i kind of piece stuff together the annoying ones were there was a few puzzles that if you have other abilities you can completely solve them instead of partially solve them um so those ones annoyed me awesome also as a quick side note real quick i will point out that the actor that does the motion capture and everything for kyle kestis was actually in an episode of uh, Law and Order SVU, so uh, comes full circle there for that joke. Um, but it, it was something to where that's the thing that, that got me. Like doing a lot of the collectibles and stuff was a lot easier once you had all the power ups and could do everything. Because there was times I was sitting there stuck stuck on something and then only realized, oh, I don't have this, that, or the other upgrade to get to it yet. So just kind of running into those walls every now and then. And by the way, if I may put one huge criticism out there for this game, fast travel system, some kind of fast travel system, because having to go back to a planet, especially like Kashyyyk and go all the way to the origin tree was annoying. Though I did find out a trick near the end of that. I just didn't do any meditations and I just killed myself and then got teleported all the way back to the beginning once I was done where I was at. See, I outsmarted it. Were were you compelled to like 100% all like the pickups and everything? Really? So you had a good, you did that and you actually had a good experience. That's amazing. Yeah. I, it was one of those things to where once I got to actually here, I can tell you exactly how many hours I put into it now. Uh, Star Wars Fallen Order. Um, last played yesterday because I got the final achievement yesterday. 39 achievements all got in 35 hour, 35.1 hours. Um, 
the final achievement I got in the game was... Hold on, I accidentally clicked the wrong button. Ah! Was, um, not the four second. Why didn't it do it in the order I needed it to? Crap. Um, I think it was exploring... No, it was the food. It, it was the trees. It, it was the um, the seeds collecting all the seeds for the little herb garden thing. Right. That was the last okay. one. Yeah, green thumb, that. fully grow the terrarium. That was the <laughs> last one I got because I had all the seeds. You have to wait a certain amount of time for that to pop because it, they have to fu- be fully grown. So, did you have to like does does like traveling between planets the only thing that causes time to progress for that or it, like it does? You can also just mess around and stuff. Like, just I just actually put my controller down, walked away, did travel to two different planets, and then it popped. Nice. So that, yeah, I might have done good... it before that, but I forgot to go back and check it. That's a, that's a good point. There's a whole, there's a lot of those sort of ancillary aspects that I never really like leaned into heavily. I, I, I like looking back on it. It seems like I, like one of the things I wanted from it at the time that I didn't really get is like you have these sort of common areas where the ship lands on all the planets and some of them have characters that you can talk to. But like you you don't you can't there's not like conversation trees in this game. So like the characters are like they, they have one or two things they repeatedly say and then they say don't you have something better to do and basically there's not a lot there's not a deeper level of interactivity there um and i th- i feel like they could have it could have benefited from that even if the conversations never really led to side quests or anything but maybe you just got a little more out of the story if you pressed for it but then when you bring up the whole terrarium thing like i don't know how much sort of collectibles uh, fill that gap maybe they do for for some people i feel like i skimmed over that stuff big time when i went through the game the first time and i well, the, never went back to it. well it is mentioned that the ship captain who zach will of course input some crazy name grease is a ridiculously good cook and is like likes cooking and everything so you building a terrarium is helping him by being able to have the different spices and stuff for making the food and everything. There is a lot of like the dialogue and stuff you can get from talking to them and just listening to stuff. It And you want to know something? It's totally skippable too. You can just not do any of it and not get that aspect of the character. Yeah, well, I like you were saying, it's a pain to go back to planets. I assume you were doing that for pickups. Like, I feel yep. like I never went back to a planet like more than was necessary for like the core story aspects. Uh, I I had to go back to one several times. I know playing it on the PlayStation, I'm going to make sure that once I get to a planet, I'm going to completely know everything I have to do on it to get it done because having to double back for a lot of those was annoying. Uh, I know one of the hardest achievements to get, according to Steam, since I played this on Steam, uh, only 1.8% of players got it. So, and yes, I am part of that 1.8%. It was not so fast to defeat enemies while they are under the effects of empowered slow. So it was like a certain number of kills. You have to get 25. But you have to like have it to where, like, you know, there's certain abilities. Like if you held down the button, it would do like a bigger version of it. 
when you yeah. did that, they'd be holding still, and it's the move where you go up and you stab, like you actually will just straight stab them. You don't hit them, you stab them straight through. And okay. that's how you got and there's really easy spots to exploit that too. There's a spot where there's like a save point, and then right around the corner there's a squad of stormtroopers. So, like it takes no time at all to get it. If you know what to do to get it. Yeah, well, I, something tells me it's really just that people don't want to uh like get get um super uh super sweaty on the achievements where you have to do 25 of the same thing. But you know, since you um since you have been like reading a lot of the books and following clone wars and stuff i did want to ask you about one of the uh one of the more rel <clears throat> one of the more core plot details of this game where you have this whole idea of like a holocron that like lists off like locations of force sensitives in this case it was like a bunch of kids but i guess they could only be so small if the list was made during the jedi order and yeah. this is like some years later Five years. but um yeah but but uh so it, like I, at the time, it seemed to me that they were sort of trying to lean into that whole Clone Wars subplot where like Palpatine had that like weird nursery. And mm -hmm. it's like and, and I, I feel like between that and uh, and, and and some of the other stuff that's been going on in canon lately, I feel like like that's one of the slowest burns that uh like because technically that plot thread sort of predates disney and it's like where like they're still sort of peppering in things that relate to it and i feel like it hasn't fully been paid off yet like where that really ends like i feel like that clone wars episode like you never see that area again after that one time right um it isn't touched on any of the stuff i've done reading wise i think there's vader comics that deal with them trying to, or people hiding like where all the force as I swear one of the Vader comics deals with that where he fights that librarian chick um but and then and then you have um like you know you have the whole thing with the Inquisitors and like the stuff from the Obi-Wan show sort of implying that like I, like I don't know if they were trying to I guess they weren't trying to say that those kids became Inquisitors because Inquisitors didn't exist when that clone wars episode came out but then are they still following the initial intent of that clone wars episode it's hard to say right <laughs> so the inquisitors have been something to where like they vaguely point out their origins that they're like fallen jedi or old padawans or people that just came into it but it's still this weird gray area of what exactly they are because they're obviously i think they're more glorified jedi assassins if that makes any sense than true sith I mean, they have powers, but they're mostly trained just to kill a Jedi, which I'm like, that's cool and all. But I mean, it's something to where, like, I don't see them being even with each other. Uh, and the other thing is playing this game at the same time Obi-Wan was coming out was a nice little unintentional kind of um, dovetailing of stories and stuff, which, like I said, I started playing this game again around the same time for no particular reason. But it dovetailed because of the fact that the beginning of the Obi-Wan series is kind of based around hopelessness. And this has a lot of that in it and people trying to gather whatever they can from a broken world or sorry, a broken galaxy. And, and I guess, it, yeah. And well, I was just going to say this sort of like it's this like his uh, Cal Kestis is almost like, 
a slightly more intellectual <laughs> portrayal of what a, a young Jedi might have experienced than what you're get, what you get. In, but it's like it parallels the Kenobi series because like Reva went through a similar thing, and like I believe mm-hmm. you have the uh, Kenobi's hologram like warning is at the beginning of the game somewhere, right? I think so. It's like I said, it's weird because I played the first part of this game like in January, and then finished it now with like basically zero in between. So I like got to Kashyyyk and then from there I stopped and then from Kashyyyk till now I played it again. Yeah. And so. well, you know, there's another um, side side note. There's another like weird parallel to the force unleashed that there's just like a massive chunk of the game takes place on Kashyyyk. But oh, it it's, it's the go to spot in the galaxy. Well, yeah, there it's well, it seems like there's always been this sort of idea that we're going to see the Empire enslave the Wookiees. And it's going to that's like before the solo movie that tied strongly into uh, the idea of like how Han and Chewie met. There was this idea that the, the Empire enslaved Kashyyyk and they basically never left after what you saw in episode three. And and that's the other thing in like the Thrawn books, it talks about how they enslaved them, too. And everything like it's a going thing. Like we get it. They they enslaved Kashyyyk. We we one hundred percent get that. Thank you, Zach. We we were just earlier. We were talking about um the sort of plot thread that is first brought up in Clone Wars about Palpatine having this like the Jedi Force sensitive baby nursery and how that's sort of tied into slightly in this game with the sort of PDF file on a holocron of the Force sensitive children. I, do, you, do you think this is something that they're still sort of building towards a conclusion on or have they is the conclusion something different than it would have been if uh, management had stayed the same since that Clone Wars episode? Are you talking about the Cad Bane thing like on Mustafar? Yeah, like it literally shows like a bunch of babies like yeah. on Mustafar. Was it on Mustafar? Yeah, yeah, with Cad Bane. That was oh, what season two of the Clone Wars. Yeah, that never really paid off like fully anywhere, right? That that's one where I don't know because from what my understanding of the Clone Wars is is that Lucas pretty much everything that they had mapped out they were going to do Lucas never really wanted to go beyond five seasons with that I remember even back in like 2007 and 8 he always made that abundantly clear I, I apologize to the listener at home you can if, if you weren't sure that it was 4th of July you definitely can now based on the background and my audio Thank you, everybody. Um, the point being is just that I don't know. I, I feel like from everything I've read about the Clone Wars, that was something Luke – it was just kind of like the closest we ever got to a follow-up on that was from Rebels Season 1 where I think Kanan goes to Hera, says something like Mustafar is where Jedi go to die, right? Like that's that's kind of the closest fo- official follow-up we ever got of that that notion. So do you think do you think like they were trying to tie back into that on uh with this sort of list of the fourth sensitive children? I don't know. It's weird that you mentioned that because in light of Kenoba season slash series finale, and that Palpatine doesn't seem too concerned about Jedi doing their thing. He's very much just like, Veda, this is in the past. Let it go already. 
And Vader seems very single-minded in his pursuit of the Jedi, or at the very least, Obi-Wan. I don't know. I I don't know what, what the point of the Inquisitors are. I The more I think about them, they seem just like Power Ranger villains. They're just there to fight the protagonist. That's why I think Fallen Order 2 is going to be interesting because it seems like we are very deliberately steering away from that. And that's something that Rebels post-season 2 deliberately steered away from. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the end game is, the idea of like a, a generation's worth of Force-sensitive children like itemized on a list. Uh, something I brought up while um, while you were – stepped out for a momentary second uh was the fact that i feel like the inquisitors are more sith assassins than actual true like sith because i mean they're just they they aren't they're powerful enough in the force to fight force wielders but they're not like obviously if they went up against a true master they wouldn't stand a chance most of the time that's why vader freaking smacks them around like it's like it's his job which it is, is. But isn't the isn't the whole reason that they're not technically Sith just the uh, the rule story group trying the story group trying to preserve the rule of two? Like that's really what it is, right? That's I feel like that's even why in like older games, like like you know you go back to the the uh, classic, which is n- that no one plays anymore because it's a '90s PC game and it's hard to play unless you like are subscribed to a platform. Do I own it? Je- Jedi Knight Dark Forces Two. I do. <laughs> they describe the uh, in these full motion video cutscenes. You do they describe the the uh, dark antagonists as dark Jedi because even in 1997 they were uncomfortable with calling them Sith, given the larger pro- plot threads of the 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 cinematic films. So I think it's a. Uh, I don't think the rule of two necessarily existed uh, until Yoda says it at the end of Episode One. And then I don't know when the Darth Bane book came out. Definitely after Episode One, but it's it's really that line of dialogue that establishes it, and it's purely just looking at the original trilogy. But I read something recently that weren't Inquisitors mentioned in some sort of like publicity material, like either a novelization or something like in in the eighties. Like I've heard that Inquisitors have been like not in the like lightsaber helicopter fashion that we know and love now but i have heard that they were introduced as a thing back in the 80s like a very very abstract notion but they were there you have stuff like mara jade who is like a force sensitive uh, uh i believe she's referred to as the emperor's hand i don't know what the official title is is there maybe that's it and i mean what do you uh what do you call that that's going back to 91 i guess looking into it right now i well, i i just i don't think there's any sort of um third wheel of um, palpatine invaders earlier than mara jade ah the inquisitors also known as imperial inquisitors were ad in the way um was a secret division of the imperial intelligence um Apparently, they were dark side force sensitive agents known as inquisitors, sometimes inquisitors or truth officers. Under the control of Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader, these inquisitors were considered high ranking um, of the dark um, of the dark side, outranking the Emperor's hand 
Prophets of the Dark Side, and Lesser Dark Jedi. Okay, well, yeah, that's we're... the thing. Inquisitors, uh, Inquis- Inquisitors have been a thing in the Star Wars universe since like the early nineties. Like I, that's they... what my Wikipedia research is telling me right now. Dang. But it's not the lightsaber helicopter fashion that we know and love. They do wield red lightsabers, though. There's an image where it says an Inquisitor standing over a fallen Jedi. Okay, I found what Zach's referring to. Um, supposedly, there is something vaguely to the effect of the Inquisitors that was created for the the uh, 1987 uh, Star Wars source book for the role playing game. I I don't. That's I, it. I, I, I feel perfect. Like a lot of. I mean, you can't really discount that because a lot of the um, the canonical names that we know and love for the preposterous. Uh, amount of background characters like you know like like all the cantina aliens how they all have names a lot of that stuff originated with the role-playing game and 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 so i guess a lot of that stuff has translated i'd be interested to see exactly how they're described that far back uh, well no also- i think the but i think the point though chris and not to make this cynical and jaded but i think it's like they scour these research texts from like 30 40 years ago so they could just point to it and say nope we're being faithful it's like a weird sort of deflection that again it, it's very intentional i don't think any of this is arbitrary um, again, I can ima- very easily imagine back in like 2013 when Disney is kind of doing the finger in the chest, the cowboy hat man, and telling him to like make an animated TV show that this is what he decides to pull from because it's the best of both worlds. He has cre- complete creative license with it, but at the same time, he can say, well, this is faithful to Lucas's vision, even though Lucas, I would imagine, has no idea what an Inquisitorious is. Well, I mean, he uh, like it's clear that he understood the uh, practical requirement to create other side villains who weren't necessarily Sith for the Jedi to fight so that they had somebody to fight on screen. You know, that's why you have Asajj Ventress, for example, who who, um, you know, they they even in the animated the 2D series, they sort of underscore the fact that she's not quite a Sith. Like she calls herself one and then I Dooku like see and then Dooku like quickly sorts out <laughs> that situation and, and, and shows her that that is not the case. So like, you know, they, they like Lucas clearly sort of acknowledged that we need extra cannon fodder that have red lightsabers. And I don't know, our- though, but like, that's the weird thing about like, and tying this back to Jedi Fallen Order, is that Trilla is an interesting villain. And she and it's the same thing that Star Wars always does, where it's it's no longer the villain, it's the tragic hero. Whether it be Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, it, it's always the tra- – even, I guess, Maul would now be considered a tragic hero, so to speak, because he's somebody that just wanted peace of mind and just got severely disillusioned. Um but that's where I think it's fascinating with the Inquisitors, because even in Rebels, I think it's season two, when they conclude finally kind of the Grand Inquisitors like story arc, where Ezra and Kanan go into the Jedi Temple on Lethal, and it's the Grand Inquisitor that is like the spirit of him, I don't even know what you would call it, is what defends Ezra and Kanan from the fifth brother and the seventh sister, like it's his ghost that pretty much fends them off. And it's a really kind of provocative notion 
And yet it, it it's it it's done kind of perfectly in that it's never explained in the way that contemporary Star Wars, weirdly enough, to phrase it that way, eight year what nine years later feels compelled to. But does that does that Inquisitor Grand Inquisitor Ghost who defended them feel like the same dude who like like mustache twirls at, at Reva in Obi-Wan. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, it's those things where I have not watched Rebels like in a academic way in a while. So I think post Kenobi, it's I probably should delve into it some capacity. Oh no, Orbital Bombardment. Orbital Bombardment, Zanger, please raise oh. the deflector shields. Um, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I could see it. The Grand Inquisitor in season one is pretty one note. He's just kind of a dog with a bone. In this, he seems a little more of like there's flourishes to him as a character. Outside of his physical appearance, I don't really see of any sort of major continuity errors and seeing kind of like a bridge from one to the other. The fifth brother is is to call him a, a two-dimensional character is kind. So there's no reason to believe that he wouldn't eventually grow into the character that we see in Rebels. I don't know. I think the Grand Inquisitor becomes more a oh god, palatable character because of what happens to him in season two, where he has clearly there's something that happens to these fallen Jedi once they have passed into the living force that they realize what they've done is wrong. And they're trying to redeem themselves after the fact. And I think that is fascinating. I just wish that we I, again this bring this back to Fallen Order and to Trilla specifically. I think there is that kind of beautiful notion that all these inquisitors eventually find inner peace in a way that's that evil doers in star Wars don't typically do like Cad Bane circa book of Boba Fett or, or, Oh God, who else would it be? I'm thinking of Mandalorian. Um, nobody, cause nobody really has been defeated in Mandalorian. Um, no, I think I think there is a deeper appreciation to the cowboy hat man stuff because there is it seems to be as of now a level of reverence for that sort of of his stuff in Lucasfilm. He seems to be somebody that they were. I guess he is what the only true acolyte of Lucas of, of the modern contemporary era. Yeah, well, I mean, first thing Zach said, "Living Force" earlier, and he meant to say "Cosmic Force" for everybody playing along at home. But oh, um, the, the, <laughs> the, the 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 you know, like the only if you need evidence that Cowboy Hat Man is like the only acolyte of Lucas, like one of the Disney galleries is supposed to be about the Mandalorian, and there is literally five minutes of Cowboy Hat Man talking about how brilliant the ending of the Phantom Menace is in this, and it's just Kathleen Kennedy and like everybody else at the table is just like, we're gonna just let him go. We don't know what he's talking about, but he's talking about how great the duel of the fates is. Uh, it, we're supposed to be talking about the Mandalorian. They all just like sit, sit there and like and like look at each other while he talks about how brilliant the end of Episode One is. So yeah, he is that guy. It's just what is his what is his reach and like what you know like he almost belongs in the story group but like a story group that actually has power to like tell silly people that they have to structure it a certain way well i think okay not to bring this into like kind of like a referendum on cowboy hat man but as much as we laugh at him and we've kind of uh, dehumanized him to that name it's that notion of like 
even John Favreau, I wish people would stop holding him in such high regard. This is the same guy that made Iron Man 2 in the live action Lion King. Like, this isn't somebody that we should be worshiping as a Star Wars fan. This is somebody that is extremely egotistical that we keep – again, Chris, not to bring this back to Star Wars toys, but if we get one more re-release of Paz Vizsla, one of the most boring characters in Star Wars other than he's fat Boba Fett, um, again, like we should not be worshiping Jon Favreau. Like he is somebody that is out for a buck. Like th- this is the same person that tried to redo. Oh God, what's it? Um, oh my God, Juman- J- uh, Jumanji was Zathora. Like this is the guy that thought Iron Man Two was going to destroy his career and really could not. I remember the stories back in 2011, um, give or take, about reading how like John Favreau thought that film was going to destroy his career and could not dig a hole deep enough to try to escape the fallout of it. This is not a maverick of cinema or of ideology. Um, as much as again, as much as we. Again, mock cowboy hat man. He, like Chris stated, this is somebody that during the uh, galleries episode of The Mandalorian, really, I remember back when that uh, first debuted, that was like trending on Twitter for a couple days, and that was kind of the main pull away. It's like, can you, like, again, all these kind of third rate cinema movie blogs are like, like Lucasfilm exec defends the Phantom Menace. It's like, he's not really an executive in B. Like it's refreshing back back during that time. It was very very refreshing to see Lucasfilm defend the Phantom Menace, especially now. How many years later, where the Mandalorian is flying around in the physical embodiment of the prequels? Yeah, you see Kathleen Kennedy look at him, and she's like, "Man, maybe I should watch that thing." (laughs) Uh, Well, the Kathleen Kennedy's like, "They're Star Wars movies before seven. Also, I do want to point out that the sixth brother does not get i think any preferential treatment aside from just dying he's the one that dies in the ahsoka tano book where she gets her kyber crystals from but what kind of alien is he i don't know i can't remember i just was trying to remember which one he was and i don't even think they've ever shown him like in any other media there'll be a I flashback in the ahsoka tv series God, we'll I see can't a digitally wait. I... uh ashley Eckstein combined with rosario dawson Oh, nope, nope. Actually, he does appear in the Vader comics. He's the one that Vader slices his arm off. So he was meant for death. Do you kind of, but like, is it weird to me that like, it's, it's been months since I played this, but like, like, like I'm trying not to veer into the Kenobi talk too much, but like Trilla seems like such a, like more actual character than like some of the inquisitors in the Kenobi show. And it's just like, is it because, is it because there's like more, like it's hard to sort of time out how much like acting screen real estate. And I mean, you know, they're filming, they film actors for this stuff. Like the characters are all based on actors. Like you can tell there's a performance behind this character in the game. Maybe she actually has more screen time than someone like Reva. Like, I don't actually know. I think it's an open question. I feel like I've, I feel like I connected more with her story because I think you like, there's a more interesting dynamic. Like her former master is still in the story mix of, of the key players in Jedi fallen order. So it's, it's more interesting that like Cal's current master is her former master. And there's actually like, they have, they have common elements to talk about and she, she can reflect on what that experience was like five 10 years earlier i i feel like there's they just have more there's more interesting tension between them and 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 
and they were brave enough to actually kill Trill at the end of the game. <laughs> That's you don't get that well, every day. Well, okay, the thing I've always wanted to talk about forever, ever since playing this game, is that you can. It, I think it's blatantly clear that Disney Disney slash Lucasfilm left EA alone when it came to the story of this game. Um, whether it be Cal Calrissian, Seer, um. All, all of them. I, I think even with the um, oh god, I forget what their name is. The uh, the religious kind of sect. That's their own Night thing. Sisters. What was that? The Night Sisters. No, no, not the Night Sisters. No. Oh the my Zeppo? god, the Zeppo. The Zeppo. Yeah. Um, I think the point is that Lucasfilm very much divorced themselves from this. I don't know whether intentionally or contractually, because clearly EA has the license, so Lucasfilm can only object. They can't. Unless they want to guide the path of this, um, I think this is the best case scenario of when Lucasfilm slash Disney just leaves creative people alone. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I remember back in 2020 talking about this in the Knights of Vader Facebook group. The rhetoric surrounding it was Solo should have been the video game. This should have been the movie. Yeah. Because there's compelling characters in this that you want to see more of. There, I mean, everything in this works. And the thing that blows my mind about this game is um, the people behind it, Respawn Entertainment, aren't like a long-lived company, to be honest. They've done games that you might have heard of, Titanfall, Titanfall 2, and Apex Legends. But then they did this and Titanfall, Titanfall 2, and Apex Legends were all first-person shooters. So it was really weird that they got tapped for this as opposed to oh also prior to this they did uh call of duty modern warfare i mean call of duty 4 modern warfare might be something you might have heard of um but they got tapped to do this while the other ones did that shooter the shooter the battlefront 2 so it was weird because it's like why don't these flip-flop but i love respawn I, I will stand behind anything they do minus Apex Legends. Cause hey, uh, you know what? Like, uh, like I was, I wanted to hate on Apex Legends, but I had fun for like four or five matches, I must admit. But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's almost Zinger. It's almost like a competent company is capable of emulating genres that they haven't made a ton of money on in the past. You know, it's really interesting how that works. It's like just a working understanding of what makes a good video game as yeah. if you just literally read a textbook on it and you can actually do it. I, it really fascinates me that Zach's pointing out, like, like I, I wish some, we knew somebody who could like deeply elaborate on the contractual details of how uh, the narrative gets built for a project like this. Cause it just can makes I, me, re- Real quick, not to do an aside on that, but I really want to. Um, The thing is is that, like, I think Jedi Fallen Order was kind of born out of the best-case scenario of Lucasfilm circumstances. Because think about it. When this game was in production in 2018, Lucasfilm was insanely distracted, whether it be The Mandalorian, Solo, The Rise of Skywalker. I don't think they cared about this. Um, I think this was the last thing on their minds. Like even Zanger can tell you, like spring 2018, they were – oh god, Bob Iger was threatening to like literally throw the CEO of EA down the energy shaft of the Death Star. I think Jedi Fallen Order has the benefit of just being completely ignored 
by the multinational, multi-billion-dollar corporation that is Disney. I, I, I think that's what happened. I, I'm again not to be a Debbie Downer, but I'd be shocked considering that, like, again, and we've made jokes about this a lot. Ever since Disney made for the parks the official Cal Calrissian lightsaber, it means that it's that this game's popularity has blipped on their radar. Oh no, it, it gets deeper than that. Well, but the thing that just real quick, let me finish this thought: is that it just concerns me because if it's blipping on their radar, that means Disney feels it has to control it, which means it's going to lead to more and more problems and chafing. So, uh, God dang it, Zach! How do I? anyways um so i don't know I, I know you guys keep your fingers solely on the pulse of anything toy related but i know lego is an appalling word to say sometimes around the two of you uh did you hear what the like newest thing coming out for lego it's like one of the like actual life-size droids that's coming out i have it pre-ordered already it's i don't BD1. know what this is it's bd1 it's the robot from the game like wow, the fact not, that they're you mean, you mean it's not Lola? <laughs> Give it time. Um, but no, I mean it's it's something that I I do think that this game was the epitome of a perfect situation coming together because I guarantee because EA if if anything has done a awful awful job with the Star Wars property per se. I say that and we're talking about an amazing game. Like I will say this is probably one of the best Star Wars games I've played in a long time. Well, so that I mean that's the caveat that matters, right? I mean Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and what else have they done? They did Battlefront two... 2015 and Squadrons. They've done what? Four games? And 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 you probably completely forgot the the narrative of the squadrons campaign and you would be forgiven for doing so but oh no it's we filled with oh, nonsense wait. sorry i i honestly forgot it so much that i was thinking of battlefront 2's storyline again um while squadrons is cool like with the three i mean with the uh, vr and stuff like that because you feel like you're actually in the seat it is perfectly marketed as a 40 dollars game it is Great if you want to play a flight simulator in the Star Wars universe, but aside from that, it's it's forty dollars. Get it if you want it. Don't if you don't. Um, Battlefront is a hit or miss with some people. So dial this back to a second for Star Wars video games. Like as somebody who was clear, who only bought an Xbox One so they could play Battlefront twenty fifteen. I mm-hmm. get why people feel felt underwhelmed with that game. Mm-hmm. But Battlefront 2 has pretty much over the last five years become the definitive Star Wars multiplayer game of all time. Like as much as people hold misplaced reverence for that 2005 game, 2017 Battlefront in its current state, or I'd say as of 2019, because they really haven't updated it in the last two years, that the the oh god. Battlefront 2017 is the definitive Star Wars game. Like they I mean, cleaned up that mess. And I never had a problem with Battlefront 2. Like even like 2017 Battlefront 2, I love that game. Um no, like as much as we laugh at EA, 
they they reformed and there's something that should be said for that like there should be some level of just like accolades given to them for taking what was oh god what zanger the most downvoted reddit post of all time because that means something when it comes to video game sales yes. but they, they cleaned it up like tw- battlefront 2017 in the current time other than the fact that they've kind of just abandoned it because just it ran its cycle i don't know that game is great if not excellent well my 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 thing i was more getting on is they had the license for that time i mean they they put out like i said fallen order great game battlefront 2 multiplayer good if that's what you're into but it's weird because letting it be back like everyone was begging and and banging on doors for for like remakes of old republic and stuff like that oh yeah and they did old republic as well but I mean, it, and it's weird because the second they don't have the rights, all this stuff comes out. The the one game by uh, David Cage that God knows if that's ever going to come out. The remake of um, Old Republic, which is supposed to be out for PlayStation Five. Um, the sequel, another uh, the sequel to this game, which, like, like I said, I'm now very excited about and can't wait for because who's in that tube? What is that? Is that Starkiller? Oh my gosh, what could happen? So I said, they did okay with the property. I think a lot of people thought they were going to do way more than it when they had their exclusivity. I I get that criticism, and 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 that criticism is not unique to you, Zenger. But, like, it's also EA. Like, for the same reason why we, we kind of disparage Disney for not prioritizing Star Wars, it's the exact same thing when it comes to EA. Like the Star Wars license was one horse in the stable amongst many. And that's why like it, it's so weird because like the other, this was maybe like in the last like week, I really wanted to just do like play Battlefront 2. And as somebody who has that for the Xbox One, I like I'm like, I want to play this. And then like it dawned on me that like nobody plays the matchmaking anymore because it's a nearly five year old multiplayer game. And it dawned on me and that like Think about the last major multiplayer Star Wars game that we've gotten is Battlefront. And there's nothing on the horizon for that. Like there is no Star Wars, like kind of like, what would you want to call it? Just Call of Duty, Fortnite, Halo, just just like, oh, what's the word? Uh, Broad or Barman's happening again. Um Gain experience like and and it's to a point where star wars fans in game slash media have poisoned the well so badly that like nobody wants to touch a first person slash third person multiplayer star wars experience because of how bad battlefront 2 was initially and i can't put enough uh focus on that term when it was released in 2017. And I feel like it's so weird to think that like, as much as we, we wanted a first person star Wars game in 2017 and 2019, that now we've reached a point where that's all we're going to get to the foreseeable future. It's that thing with star Wars fans where we just kind of bitch and moan so much about one specific thing that we get it. And the pendulum swings in such the opposite direction that now we kind of have to suffer the consequences of our never ending rhetoric. Well, if it makes you feel any better, um, they are, Respawn is working on, hold on, let me just make sure I get this right, 
uh, on an untitled Star Wars first-person shooter game as well as an untitled strategy game as well. So fingers crossed that I get um, my fix of Galactic Battlegrounds in the triumphant return. And a first-person shooter done. Like I said Titanfall is an amazing first-person shooter. Um, one of my favorites because not I, Chris, I can see you nodding. And I know you're like, but Halo... But Halo doesn't have you drop a freaking Titan out of the sky and then all of a sudden you're freaking punching things on a giant robot. Hey man, like, I've, I've played all I've played all four Star Wars first person shooters. <laughs> it's all it's it's good. Uh, no, I but, like I got Titanfall. I like Titanfall. I I just um you know and 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 maybe we're forgetting as far as like uh multiplayer because Zach multiplayer games that you play with your friends on on online services are all really trashy now kind of like the new halo and i think they did thank you i don't know i forget what studio is doing it but you have star wars hunters which is like like oh, a I fortnite ish like arena game me, no no, no. we're not we're seconds. not counting fortnite knockoffs as actual games we're not counting because that. because zach you can actually get Star Wars skins right now in Fortnite. By the way, my young my younger daughter forced me to play Fortnite with her. Like she like bugged me through a controller in my lap and was like, "Play Fortnite with me." I'm like, "I've never played Fortnite." First place, first place on the first. I will match say I that just, I was so- like, um, apparently I'm just god at everything I touch." I will say that when this podcast first started, Zenger's youngest daughter, Quinn, was uh, two years old. Now she is uh, 16 years old. She's looking at colleges this fall. <laughs> That's how Close. long this podcast has been Close. going on. Close. It, it feels like about that long. I can't Perfect. tell if that's accurate or not. <laughs> what, the, the sound in the background or the age of my daughter? The latter. Okay, good. Okay, so it's uh, clearly been twelve years or something since this podcast. This podcast has been going years. on for twelve years, and Zenger's yeah, like, fun. it seems longer. <laughs> uh, by the way, the 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 Hunters game is being developed by I, I don't care, it's garbage. So moving on. Okay, well, you know, I mean, the marketing of that game reminded me of uh, who could forget the the classic. Uh, Star Wars demolition for PS1 where it's literally just like people gambling at Jabba's Palace and having arena battles like if you ever want a, a real trip YouTube the cutscenes for Star Wars demolitions and be completely confused and annoyed um, Ooh, it was available on Dreamcast yeah that probably looked a little bit better than ps1 but um yeah, yeah I don't know like so Zach you're sort of saying that uh, like, I I would like to yeah. Chris I'm sorry I need to correct you real quick. 2000s Star Wars demolitions. Okay, it's from Not to be confused with 2019s demolitions. That is the topic <laughs> of this week's episode. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I highly recommend you play that game because you can ride a Rancor as Malakili and there's rockets mounted to the Rancor's head. Um, what more need I say? Um, but, but Zach... Game Informer, a solid 7 out of 10. <laughs> so, so you're telling me this is where they got the idea for the conclusion of the Book of Boba Fett, Chris? Is this, is this like Cowboy Hat Man, the Inquisitorious from 1987? 
I'm telling you that on the cover of this game, there's a picture of the Rancor from Return of the Jedi, which has rocket launchers photoshopped onto its shoulders. But that's not neither here nor there. We can all dream, folks. We can all dream. It's real. It's real. You, it's at the seeing it for yourself is at uh, at your fingertips in the current year. But Zach, I just like, you're, are you saying that you're you're you have a cynical outlook on the prospects of Jedi Survivor because now they know there's interest in this game? So hundred percent, a hundred percent. The fact that oh yeah, look in folks like oh god, five plus years since the inception of this podcast, we should all be afraid of Disney. Like, we should all just, like, it's a thing that happened ever since uh, Rogue One, when I sat in the theater after The Force Awakens, and I closed my eyes during the and oh god, in a galaxy far, far away, I sat there, like, said, like, please be good, please be good, please be good. No, because as soon as Disney realizes something is popular, they have to stick their fingers in it. it it's, it's the nature of the beast. It's the frog and the scorpion. It's in their nature. They don't know any better. And especially now that just they are so, I don't want to say desperate for money, but just that kind of the, the oh god, the topic that just keeps on giving the galactic star cruiser is like they're, they're putting out promotional surveys, trying to figure out why the $6,000 hotel experience is bombing during a recession. Um, like again, this is a company that has no idea which way is, is up anymore. And again, is anyone's listened to this or cinemodities, whether it be, Oh God, theme park nonsense, movies with Lightyear. This is a company that has no idea what is happening in, in the real world. They are very much in a very, very, oh God, um, dense bubble. And and they just do what they want regardless whether it's good or not. Um, I know just recently, I think it was for the cruise line, the Disney Wish, they had like a, oh God, a port of, keeping this in video game language, of the of galaxy's edge and they had a five thousand dollar beverage that comes in the ice cream maker container and it's one of those things where it's that they just like like i get it every cruise hotel always has that luxury experience that's meant to be above 99.99999 percent of the guest heads i get that but like it's the idea that just disney This is not the same company it was, forget about 20 years ago. This is not the same company it was five years ago. And they're just doing what – it's the definition of a bull in a china shop. They're doing whatever they want. And I think Kenobi is the clearest example of that. It's just that like none of this works. It's sci-fi channel entertainment level and it's just you better like it or else you're a racist. Um, And and that's just the – again, I'm not condemning or condoning anything that – internet bad people have done it's just weird they're taking a very specific stance with this and it's just what is fallen order to slash jedi survivor going to do because i think clearly they realize there's money there there's potential and the fact that this goes back to even boba fett syndrome and that think about it like chris obviously is my fellow toy collector outside of force what was it triple force friday in 2019 we have not gotten any fallen order merchandise with the exception of the cow cow rizian galaxy's edge lightsaber and this bd1 lego set that's coming out in august which means they're clearly sitting on this because there is a very specific date they have in mind for future merchandise when you know when no news typically means that they have something in mind 
Well, Zach, you're obviously forgetting the far inferior deluxe Cal Calrissian with Poncho. Repaints by Hasbro don't count. It's because Hasbro way, is cheaper than Disney. I'm not going to count them. By the way, I never had a Poncho on. I I couldn't <laughs> stand it in the game. That's the I lamest. Immediately ca- ripped it off every time it forced put it on there. I was that, like, nope. That is the lamest costume you can put. You can dress him in, in the entire game. Full disclosure, I have the Poncho Cal Calrissian action figure, and I don't have the better one. I it it just was so un uninspired. Like, and, th- and then the okay, gonna go on a soft tangent real quick. Don't worry, I'll get there. Um, my soft tangent is as much as I enjoyed this game, I I want to nitpick it a little bit. Um, every single one of the things in the game is aesthetic which is fine, but it's when it's just a color, like why could we have not gotten him in the Inquisitor outfit as an unlockable costume? Like why, why was that? It's not like it was hard to code. They had it. It existed. It was right there. It's not, it's not like the force unleashed days singer where literally anything goes and you can have, I had an orange lightsaber the entire time. Yeah. But yeah, but force unleashed lets you let you play like you're like Sith like Darth Vader facsimile, uh, Galen Merrick, like through the whole game, if you wanted to, like they don't play that anymore. It's all it's all in canon singer. I I just wanted a different outfit other than that disgustingly bland flight suit. Well, if you look on modded videos on uh, YouTube, you I can know watch, I can play as Kirby or something. You can watch somebody play the whole uh, Jedi Fallen Order game as Darth Talon, which is interesting. Perfection. Uh, I mean, there there's that the. The lightsaber stuff, it would have been cool if some of the stuff added a little bit of bonuses or something, like a slight bonus, but it's all aesthetic. Plus, you can't see the thing half the time, and the other half the time, the other the back end of it's blown off. And then the other half of the time, you're using it just to beat people with instead of putting the actual saber out because the thing's gigantic. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I remember that's interesting to say that it's gigantic. I remember when I first played Force Unleashed, it actually bothered me that the the like the girth of the lightsaber was clearly expanded for for visual effect like it, in the in the force unleashed it literally looks like a baseball bat and it has a similar effect to a baseball bat like like overpowered swing on stormtroopers but uh you do get a little bit of, the, of a similar flavor here it's interesting how like 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 how wide a lightsaber is actually just depends on the medium that you're watching it in like in rebels they're like very like thin and like needle like and then in, in other things you sort of see a point maybe that started in episode three when mace windu's like aiming it right at the emperor like you kind of see a point on the end of the lightsaber like it's a sword <laughs> but uh but you, you do see that come and go and, and 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 uh it's just interesting how like depending on the medium you're watching the representation of the lightsabers changes zach as someone that owns a a um actual life like version of said lightsaber can you use it to beat somebody i i guess that can be said for any sort of blunt object so yes i mean this Question is pretty mark. blunt though like like i mean the bluntest right um i will say that it just came as a hilt i had to get i i reused my lightsaber blade from my my galaxy savi's experience um so maybe Zenger's like, God. you're just throwing words at me. Speak English. 
no, no, I, I know what you're saying, and I'm like, it's just the hilt. Okay, I can, I, I can order that. Like it's blunt. Like it will hurt somebody if I hit them with it. <laughs> and and did you use that exact same style in the game? Well, yeah. Okay, you? real thing. I want. Okay, one thing I want to talk about. And this kind of ties into Jedi Fallen Order Two, Jedi Survivor, and that like there is a part in this game. Like again, we've kind of pinballed all over the pay- place when it comes to this, but I will say that there's a point on Ilum where we have what you know Cordova, and he has the hologram of BD right after Cal has like his moment at his absolute lowest, where like he picks up the kyber crystal and it's just kind of a a piece of ice where the light is like reef like what reflecting off of it that looks like a crystal and he has that moment of like ultimate sorrow and bd1 plays the hologram of Eno cordova which is sears master and he goes through the entire thing basically kind of saying like goodbye to bd1 being like after this i'm going to wipe your memory you'll no longer remember me friend and it's it's a genuinely I don't want to say heartbreaking, but it, it, it's a sentimental sequence where I've like, I know a lot of people love their star Wars droids. And I don't want to take that away from anybody, but I've never felt that way about C3PO and R2D2. And when it come to, came to BD one back when I first played this game in March of 2020, I absolutely fell in love with him for that specific moment where, Eno Cordovia is treating him like the essentially like, like this, his partner and all this being like, Hey buddy, I know this is good. I know things are going to get rough. And I want you to be aware of that, but this is not the end. You will meet someone that's better than me. And I want you to remember that when you're in your deepest sorrows, which is meant to mirror what's happening to Cal. And then when you have that moment, when Cal sits there, finds the lightsaber blade, I'm sorry, um, Kyber crystal. And he joins the Jaro Tapal lightsaber hilt with the Seer lightsaber hilt, and he sits there, creates that double blade lightsaber. It's such a moment of catharsis and triumph in a way that is earned. And it's something that we never got from Star Wars in the Disney era, whether it be Rey, whether it be Obi-Wan in this latest series. It feels like such an accomplishment that you've climbed the summit and you succeeded. And it's so unique. And I think that was what makes the subsequent parts of Cal's journey on Fortress Inquisitorius all the more impactful, and especially his um, partnership, friendship with uh, Night Sister Marin, who we've not mentioned through any of this so far in any sort of earnest way. Um, no, that that part there is so profound for contemporary Star Wars. And I would imagine that if you were able to kind of distill the specific moment where people fell in love with this game, it would be that entire Ilum sequence. Because that's your emotional heart of all of it. And, and the fact that 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 doesn't come easy, you have to earn that with the characters. And weirdly enough, Disney to this day, um, to bring this back to Iron Man, Iron Man John Favreau, reminds me of that sequence in the first Iron Man movie. And I imagine Zenger's probably like, oh God, make it stop. It's when, um, oh God, Jeff Bridges is yelling at the bald scientist trying to reverse engineer the arc reactor. And he's like, Tony Stark, Tony Stark. do this in a cave, collapse. And the guy turns oh, around to him that, that eventually shows up in what, Far From Home, Zenger? And sure, he's like, let's go with that. Yes. And he's like, I'm not Tony Stark. And I think the reason why you get that profound Star Wars moment in Fallen Order is because these are not the typical Disney shills. These are people that are so, I don't want to say removed 
from the sausage making of it all that they're able to kind of put that unique personable perspective on it in a way that people that aren't firmly engrossed in it on a day-to-day basis are typical to what they do. Well, I I mean, yeah, like you also believe that BD1 like might have some actual risk associated with his, his existence in a way that you never um, thought R2-D2 and C-3PO were ever actually under any threat. For example, R2-D2 gets shot in the head by a TIE fighter in the original movie and he's fine about five <laughs> minutes later. And uh, C-3PO gets abused by three generations of people and is fine most of the time too. He actually falls uh, off a cliff in A New Hope and is fine. Yeah, perfectly fine. Um, another thing, though, that's interesting, and this is a dialogue I don't know if you all got. Uh, when you're on one of the planets, it's the it's the first one you go to, and I can't I cannot remember any of the names of the planets. But um, Sierra is talking about how she's never been there before, and this was his Padawan. And it's just interesting that BDA was something he took with him. I mean, BD1. The robot in this game. BD1. Someone he took. Yeah, there, there, there you go. B- is someone he took with the, him. The actor from the Jurassic World and Law and Order uh, TV series. Who, yes. is voiced, yes. who is voiced by Ben Bird. Continue. Yes. Um, that, 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 that he took the robot along with him. Like, it was something that, like I said, this has a lot of emotional resonant moments in it, which is something I wasn't expecting from this game, to be honest. I mean, as much as I hail uh, Force Unleashed as like the greatest thing ever, its emotional resonance is just rage. I mean, come on. If if Padme and um, and, uh, Anakin's relationship is what do I compare it to normally, Zach? Two chairs stacked on top of each other? Yes. This is a photocopy. There, The relationship between um, Starkiller and pilot, what's her name? Juno Eclipse? Yes, Sanger. Wow, dang. I haven't played no. games in a while. I'm, I'm good at this. Is a photocopy of a picture of two chairs stacked on top of each other. Oh, come That's on. That's the emotional resonance <laughs> of He's not wrong, Chris. He's not wrong. <laughs> So, I mean, and, and did this have some love story in it? No, it had stories about people finding each other in a galaxy that is completely lost. And it and that resonated with me. And it was weird because I watched it along with Kenobi, which is another story about loss and dealing with the outcomes of stuff that has happened. Well, I, yeah, for better like- or for worse, Zach. There's a there's a lot of great examples of it. Like like I don't even I don't I don't know if he's even named in the game, but like Cal's like construction worker friend from the beginning who I'm like call him Steve. Yeah, <laughs> like Steve is like a is like a is like a JJ Abrams alien, and Steve a big yo a big yo. Yeah, but I mean he's the first JJ Abrams alien I've kind of liked because like he's just like. He sounds like John Favreau, but he's not actually. And like he just <laughs> he he works and like he's just a construction worker and like he has a terrible life and he's like he's aware that like Cal's like twenty years younger than him and it's like like you 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 know it's such a relatable moment. It's like I don't know like many of you guys who have worked terrible jobs in your life 
that you might have had had that guy who was like, here's what happens if you work that terrible job for 35 years. <laughs> You're this guy. And he's just like, Cal, you know, you might want to start thinking about your prospects as a human being outside of the <laughs> Imperial scrapyard. And uh, it, and I, I he ends up dead by uh, Trilla, I think. And Trilla kills him. And, and, you know, it's just like that guy, that character does more in like, eight minutes of cinematic screen time than than a lot of the stuff that <laughs> that we get in other mediums so i think it's just there's something successful about the uh characters and the action direction and and just the the way everything's sort of structured to like like it like it gives cal impetus to try harder when he loses a friend like that so it's just a friend who wanted him to go on to something else, something bigger. So I don't know, like I, a lot of this, I haven't, like I said, I haven't played this probably since it came out and a lot of it still stands out to me big time, which says a lot compared to other things that we're getting lately. So uh, I, I, I'm like, I'm going to try and remain semi-optimistic about uh, Jedi survivor. Well, I think my final thing on this if I may, I'm, I'm excited for Jedi Fallen Survivor. Will I buy it the day it comes out? More than likely. Will I play it the day it comes out? Possibly. Will I pick it up? How many years, Zach, has it been? Two and a half, give or take. Yeah, two and a half years later, actually, finally, let Zach do a discussion on it. You bet ya. God dang it, you bet ya. Actually, I can't say that now that I've gotten the whole how Souls games work and my life consists now of playing video games, not for pleasure, but for sheer pain and just terrible, terrible, just destruction of my existence. I, I think I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm I, oh, hey man. I'm used to waiting three and four years between uh, Jedi Knight sequels during the superior era of Star Wars video games. So that's not a big deal for me. <laughs> I guess this is one question I want to ask. Are we going to get Cameron Monaghan live action? Like, yes. Hit, well, okay. <laughs> Thank you. But where does that show up? Is that going to be Kenobi season two part of the path? Or is that going to be in something that we just, I, I, I don't know. Where, where does that eventually show up? Okay. Okay. I got this. One, which is more likely, us getting um, Starkiller recanonized or getting uh, Kyle Kestis live action? The latter. Zach? I don't know. I, I feel like Starkiller is something that they'll eventually work in. Um, I, I would coming. imagine... Well, think, think of all... The, okay. Okay, may I please do another... Like, we're going to do an Inception and go deeper into this. Which is going to be canonized first? Starkiller or Mara Jade? Hmm. Mara Jade. Marjay, because it's the one we're not expecting. But I feel like they've set up everything for Starkiller. Like, there's so many pieces falling into place that's like, they can't not have someone named him pop in. I feel like Marjay's also, like, technically canon already, no? If there's, like, there's like, like an offhand canonical mention. Well, that's... Well, okay, just real quick, because I feel like I have to bring this up for the fact that Zanger's here, that in this Star Wars Brotherhood book, there is a reference to a Jedi Council meeting, and they make a point of Kiati Mundy's humiliating defeat by General Grievous. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, there it is again. Like, we keep kind of beating around the bush when it comes to, to the Battle of uh, Hypori. Um, like, I don't know, like, hasn't it... Okay, Chris, you're the expert here on, like, 
90s and 80s level Star Wars knowledge. Is it true that Lucas despised the idea of Mara Jade? I don't I, I think that's generous. I think he probably forgot she existed on a weekly basis. Like you, you, like there's you know, you, I think the famous quote from Pablo Hidalgo is that like he recalls having to remind Lucas that Luke Skywalker had children and, and we've written like 30 novels about them. Like, you know what I mean? Like when, like when Fair a new enough. project came along, like, I feel like, like, I, I think there might even be an interview. Um, I really, I wish I remembered where it was. It might've even been an interview for, with Lucas about the force unleashed. There's some interview with Lucas where he sort of describes that like him and the movies is the father and and the books and the video games are like the sun and he lets the sun sort of do what they want but at the end of the day like it has to get like approved by him like it so it's like he's like lucas sort of acknowledged that like once in a while something weird is going to slip through the tracks that's in a game or a comic book or a book or something like that so like i don't think he minded i just don't understand considering that we live in the Oh God, hyper girl power, girl boss world that we live in. I don't mean that to be negative or derogatory in any way. And I just find it peculiar that you have a character like Mara Jade that is so primed for that audience and they've just let that character rot. Like that's the thing I don't understand because it feels like a character you could do so much with, even if you were to pull them out of their legends timeline and drop them somewhere else similar to thrawn i i I don't get it 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 seems like something that would very clearly be something they could plug in it would would be decent enough worst case scenario story fodder as well as win them a lot of brownie points in the the current socio-political society we live in i i I think it's on the level of like i don't know if you remember when I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where what your mental state was when Ahsoka was like f- first brought into the story. But like my attitude with that was like, um, Anakin did not have a pad pad one between Episode two and three. Like those yeah, movies I was take about the same. I was about <laughs> the same with him. <laughs> those movies take place two years apart. Um, excuse me. He did not have a pad one. It would have like it. It's just why is it not at all relevant to these two movies? And I feel like Mara Jade. Uh, if she's in a position remotely comparable to uh, her legends uh, role and time period, it's going to be, I I think even by their standards, tough to figure out canonically because it's just like they've treaded that chronological zone so heavily from so many perspectives. I don't know. I I feel like interesting. I, I, I could be wrong. But like, I still think that the Mandalorian quote unquote infinity war is going to be something involving Thrawn with the Katana fleet. Yeah. And I feel like we, at some point we're going to get Ultron Luke Skywalker mixed with Mara Jade. I, it's, I, it would make sense that something, something Luke Skywalker during that time period made him jaded even further, kind of like down the path. Of, of other reclusive Jedi. I, it makes sense that you would need, and think about it, you could very easily make Mar Jade the, what Ahsoka Tano was for new Star Wars fans in 2008, Mar Jade of whatever date they decide to eventually plug this all in mid to late 2020s. I could see her being the entry point to this. I think it's, it's, 
it's tough just because like where she would fit the best is like like imperial perspective stuff between the between the original trilogy and the comics are hitting that area hard and showing vader and palpatine's perspective so it's just kind of like where was she you know what i mean so well, you know, like that's the Star Wars thing that someone can be of certain importance, and they're just kind of again, it's the Quinlan Voss thing. Like again, Chris, you mentioned it a couple, what a week ago, the notion of that an extra that looked peculiar caught Lucas's eye, and now it's a character that oh god, nearly thirty years later is being name dropped in the most sensational piece of Star Wars media of the year, which is like, so problematic because it's like. Like, let, let's think about this for a second. Like, deep Kenobi tangent that's actually 0% relative to relevant to the Kenobi show. But, like, like, let's think about how dumb it is if that guy in episode one is actually Quinlan Voss. It is. I thought there was books or something that he's involved in that point out that he's at, that's actually him. He would have been so helpful at the time. Would have, want to point out that according to um, the 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 source of all knowledge, um, Wikipedia, only legends for Mar Jade. Sorry, everybody. Uh, wow! But wow! The Dash Rendar. Day- Dash Rendar first, everyone. Wow. Well, Dash uh, Rendar is mentioned in like a solo kitty book from like 2018, so he's at least on the board and a certain also, point of view. And he's also his ship or a model similar to his ship appears in the Thrawn graphic novel of the first Thrawn book and and uh, a new the, hope special edition but never mind that please ignore that um 501st uh, legion does have the costume for mar jade as well as several for star killer so as always they are ahead of the curve on pointing out the fact that we all should be dressing yeah. better these days okay check this out i was at a I'm checking uh, it. I was at a Mississauga, which is like the a city near me in Ontario, Canada. I was at a toy show in Mississauga two weeks ago, and there was a lady dressed up as Mara Jade at a Canadian toy show. Good stuff. Solid. Deep stuff. cut. Yes. Um, I can't remember what got us on this tangent. I feel like I was about to answer something, and I can't remember now. Cal Calrissian, good. Uh, Star Killer, overrated. I feel I resonate more Starkiller because I mean, just rage filled hate monster that just slices and dices through everything. I'm jo- I'm, I'm joking. I, I'm joking. I think between those two other games, that's a better story. But oh wait, but wait, we're that's never, what we're it never was. getting back there though. That's fine. That's what it was. Which one would appear in canon and how? Um, I can see Kyle Kestis appearing only out of just. I feel. Why is everybody in Star Wars all because all of a sudden becoming the A team at the end of their stories? Because what's it? What, because of the Avengers. Because that's what they're doing. They're going around. They're going to help solve mysteries or do something. What's um Bad Batch doing at the end of theirs? Going around solving mysteries with a kid on board well, this time. At least they don't have a kid. Bad Batch is literally the A team, though. This is like, I guess, what's a what's a knockoff of the A team? Scooby Doo. Somehow better. That's somehow better. Oh, and that has cameos. Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed. I was about to say Scooby Doo does fit because it has a ton of random cameos from people that they're like the Harlem Globetrotters. Whoa! 
Darth Vader's in this. Whoa. By the way, great fight, even though it's not a fight. I I love how you don't get to fight him because he would wipe the floor with you. I wish I, rem- I wish I remembered who said it, but somebody once described like what Disney is setting up now in the Star Wars uh, TV and cinematic universe as like like the the MCU like solo stories and they described a new hope as the Avengers. Yeah, I can see that. I I I find all I found this uh, train of thought very disturbing. It is because it's like the most like low energy Avengers of all time, which somehow makes it a superior product. Very You are aware that like starting next year, I feel like Calrissian Endor is gonna be a weird kind of like pleasant reprieve from all this, and I, then like I, start. I feel that way. Like when I look at the trailer for that, I'm like, this seems to have characterizations that make me feel like these are real people, unlike Roken. Exactly. I again, I think calories in Endor is gonna be a weird sort of just like aberration in the grand scheme of like Disney Star Wars, much like Rogue One the movie is. And then I think next year, starting with like the one-two punch of the Mandalorian season three, and then Ahsoka, I think it's gonna beat us over the head of with shared universe. I think next year, this time next year, we are all gonna be rolling ours, being like, we get it. You want this to be Marvel enough. And by that time, Marvel's get, oh God, Zenger! By this time next year, where are we going to be in Marvel continuity? Like, uh, who who knows? Because I mean, they're supposed to be announcing very soon, very very soon, what the next big bad is. Who could it be? Is it is it Kang? Maybe not. Thank you, Zenger, for saying Kang the Conqueror. Yes. Zenger, did I you mean- see on the speaking of the Disney Wish uh, cruise line that Ultron is back, and we see uh, Paul Rudd fight Ultron? What? Yeah, there's actual footage of like old James Spader Ultron fighting Paul Rudd, uh, Scott Lang. It's kind of neat considering that like you mean, you this should have happened like nine years ago. You mean Aunt Man? Yes, it's great. It's it's Paul it's Rudd as man. Scott Lang fighting Ultron. Like real like cinematic footage of this. And everyone's like, man, if only we got this like eight years ago. <laughs> I'll have to check it out then. The I will check being- it out now because yeah. The point being is that I have, I think next year is going to be a very, very firm instance of Disney just being like, let's try to marvelize Star Wars, probably in the most egregious way since watching Rey and Kylo Ren fight like Marvel characters on the wreckage of the Death Star. Well, I'm just excited for Visions 2. As, as somebody who has hailed that as the greatest, one of the greatest things Star Wars has done, and you guys have shunned. And, and paid it on and pointed your fingers at, I think it will be hailed as something amazing because it actually does nothing involving continuity for the most part. So, yay, we get to play in a world of Star Wars with anime. I will say that I have egged them on, folks, for almost a year now. Do the Visions episode without me, I dare you. And they have uh, ch- deliberately chosen not to. So the ball's uh, in or- their court. Or no, no, no. I took that ball and slam dunked it. Go check out. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's either Zygnus or Zingor's episode. No, of- there's no such thing. No, what, what <laughs> this is, this is, this is a no fake news podcast. There's no such thing as Zang Wars. Okay. Well, go check out the Zygnus feed around. I don't know. I think it was November no, or no, October. That's a lie. <laughs> we'll have this heresy. There, there on this might podcast. be an episode called visions of some sort. Just, just, just go listen to that.
No, no, no. Listen to Zeng this only when it's applicable here and there. Zenger, where are the Zengies for 2018? How about we Never get onto the episodes happen. that people want to hear? Never gonna happen. Where's but- the Crimes of Grindelwald episode, Zenger? Where's the secret to Dumbledore? I want to know about that magic deer that picks my president. Oh, God, don't... I... Ex- Allie was explaining that to me, and I'm like, is that not the dumbest thing you ever heard? And she just stared at me and goes, but I like that it involved Newt. And I'm like, God dang it, you're the reason these keep getting made. Ma- Chris, how do you feel about a magic deer picking the president? I watched that the scene. The wizard president. I-, I watched that scene, Zach, and if you'll recall, I, I compared it to uh, a groundhog determining the start of spring. I know yeah. you did, but I just, I, I just, how about as a cinematic trope? How do you rate it? Like the idea of a magic deer picking the head of government. Like I just like yeah. say what you will about Pugsatani Phil. He's not picking a head of state. He's just determining the weather. There's a different. There's like the weather does not make decisive political action. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, the, it's implicit that it's a pointless thing. Yeah, I, I no, get it. No, it isn't. It isn't because they need an excuse for why is Nuke's commander still involved in this BS. There's an animal here that he can somehow fantastic beast with. I, I, I like partially watched that. And I and I remember my girlfriend told me there's complaints about this film that there's not enough fantastic beasts in it. And that's all I saw the whole time. So I don't know who these people are, but they need to like get a job and realize that there's like at least 14 Pokemon in this movie. And also I, I get, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I, I I don't know. I was going to make a small thing. That I I do have to say just like at some point, folks, I promise in the next maybe week or so, we will do a Kenoba part six uh, review episode. I but, feel I'm going to be yelling. Yes. But <laughs> I will have to say that they're like much like or I'm sorry, unlike other contemporary media franchises that Lucasfilm isn't like especially with the theme park stuff. They're not leaning into like beverages, like as Zenger can probably tell you in go listen to any Harry Potter ep- episode of Zeng this when it comes to like Butterbeer and its relationship to like the Harry Potter universe and the theme parks. Disney really hasn't tried to do anything with that for like the theme parks outside of just the obligatory blue and green milk. Like I was kind of surprised watching Kenobi that there wasn't some sort of like beverage that they could plug in to like the theme parks and making it like, oh, at some point Obi-Wan drink, drinks, I don't know, Bantha milk. And it's like, oh, come up with that idea yet. go get your Bantha milk at Galaxy's Edge for $14.99 a cup. I don't think they've discovered that they can market that way yet. Oh, they have. It's just clearly the market research is telling them it's not profitable enough for them. I, I, think, there's, there's I honestly whole, think there's a whole comic book about Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, I know. I know. I saw I saw it at Barnes and Noble once and I laughed at it and I walked right past it. I, like I, I think, think it's like, a book series too. I, I, I don't doubt it. Oh no, like, wait, Black They Spire. tried make like I feel Black like Spire. Galaxy's Edge is kind of like the mean girls meme of like stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um it's like it's there, it's gonna make money, just leave it alone. Let's do its own thing. Um I, I do say, and this is probably more of a Rob question, I would imagine Disney has to have like an actuary, like actuarial algorithm that they plug Star Wars ideas and concepts into, and it probably spits out a percentage as to whether it's profitable or not. Right? No, like no, that has to happen. I 100% know exactly what this does. You plug all that in, and it spits out a common thread that is unreadable to the average person because it is that toxic. 
It's just a bunch of slurs with the occasional Star Wars, like, Wikipedia article entry. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, well, obviously, this, this franchise is doomed itself. It should be okay. stated just real quick to kind of conclude the Jedi Fallen Order discussion that the fact that we got a BD droid in the Mandalorian Season 3 pilot, I think oh, just man. goes to prove that Disney clearly knows that there is money to be tapped from this tree. Perfect. And, you know, since I get the sense no, we're ruin wa- it. <laughs> since I get the sense we're winding down here and talking about Disney and money being spent on Disney Star Wars, I just I, I just noticed something that um this is something I, I, I got to share this before we close out it's something I picked up at Star Wars Celebration and on the subject of Disney knowing where money can be tapped. I, I, I spent more value on this than any sort of contemporary product where Disney actually collected my money. And it's a it's a crew a crew ticket to the premiere of Attack of the Clones, where in, in 2002 you could go get lunch and hang out with the crew for four hours and watch Attack of the Clones uh, on on May 11th, 2002. And it was what at a Fort- time to be alive as yeah. Zenger <laughs> proceeds to die laughing. <laughs> and it was at the Fort Mason uh, Herbist uh, Festival Pavilion in San Francisco, and I traded it to duncan jenkins who if you know who he is you know who he is like top three star wars collectors in the world i traded him some rare canadian comic books from 1983 for it and uh that is about the nerdiest thing i did at star wars celebration and explain. uh explain <laughs> sorry finish please disney finish, Dis- i'm just saying disney got got no dollars out of that exchange and it brought me a lot of joy that's all what what brought me a lot of joy is just thinking about the person who had that ticket at said luncheon and being like, I really want to talk to George, but he won't leave the buffet line. You just hear George in the background going, oh, yeah, can I get some more crepes over here on, on my plate, please? Like, I think just- that, that's OK. That's funny. But I think this is more accurately from someone who decided not to go. <laughs> I'm just saying it, it would just be great to where it's like these people waiting to talk to George. And it would be a great once again, robot chicken sketch of these people waiting and you just hear George in the background, just randomly talking about the food available. Like it's got a, it's got a lovely picture of Anakin and Padme and, and on the lake and on the back. That, it, wait, wait, was he talking goes, about sand in that scene? Yeah, exactly. Yes, that is Perfect. The scene. Perfect. And it just oh, says, the- and it just says luncheon ticket on the back. Perfect. God, I wish I could know it was served there just so I could know what George was like. I mean, this isn't as good as the, as the, is the great um great walk down by my um local pizzeria that I also go to as well. Yeah, and we George have another Lewis is like a hundred a hundred percent less Jar Jar tongue lollipops. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Chris, for 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 something that had no reason to make me laugh as hard as yeah. it did. Yeah, you know, it was a whatever luncheon it was 20 plus years ago. I'm sure it was great. And uh, I'm sorry we, we couldn't be a fly on the wall to hear what Lucas was saying. But that's all for me. So so, so what are your ideas about the future, Mr. M- Mr. Lucas? Well, I just really wish I could have gotten a second plate of, oh, wait, I can get back in line. <laughs> ah! Zanger <laughs> <laughs> is making himself laugh. Oh dear, I I I I I I don't know for Jedi Survivor. Like, what what is there? Like, I'm cautiously optimistic, but 
everything I've seen is just making me very, very hesitant toward it. Like obviously like Zanger and Chris, I will buy this first day. No questions asked, but I, I, I am very cautiously optimistic. The fact that a is Zenger can tell you a video game coming out in March is never a good sign. Um, that that is a rather luck lackluster time for a game to be released, isn't it? Uh, January's worse. January. All right, so it's bad, but just worse. not as bad as it could be. It could be a lot worse. It could but, be. March is kind of a weird time to release a game, but I am thinking of a few that came out in March that like ha- I can't think of names off the top of my head. Zenger, but- do you do you if you have a video game that you have a feeling is going to be a home run coming from a AAA developer, November. do you release it in March? You release it in November. Exactly. You you exactly. release it in end of September, beginning of November to get on the holiday hype train. You release it in March was really big for the God of War series because they played up that whole March, you know, um, vaguely related. Isn't that when Ares signs and whatever, or Taurus or something? Eyes of March? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that too, even though that was more Caesar. Um, <laughs> and Stabby. Well, God of War, Stabby. Uh, I know March was bigger for those for some reason because I, I know this because my Facebook feed during March, my flashbacks, I did God of War clip quotes starting on the 1st all the way to the 15th back when the game came out. My Facebook friends loved me for that. It was great. But so every March I get these like, remember 10 years ago when you said this? I'm like, oh, God, it's March again. So, I mean, it's it's an up in the air thing. January's like the worst because it's like, why didn't you just move it up one month? Like, what? Why? It, it is a true dead spell. Also, summer's kind of a dead spell for games, too. Sort of. I mean, I... I can't think of a game that came out recently that's like gangbusters. I mean, the Turtles um, Shredder's Revenge, that beat-em-up just came out, but I mean, that's kind of a... It, it's, it's, it's not for AAA. AAA is like spring and fall. With an occasional blip here in winter, fall. I mean, winter or summer. So March is a weird time frame. It gives them the chance to push it back to a more desirable point. So I guess my my final question is before we wrap this up: Do you do you honestly think they'll release this game in March, or you think it's just away from the punt it like another six months down the release calendar? Uh, do the fact that what this game's coming out in nine months. If I'm doing my math right. Well, that would put yeah, it around eight, the, nine months, give or take. That would put yeah. it around the time of next celebration, which I, I, I just I'm skeptical because all we've gotten is a release trailer, and that's it. I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more. Like, there's games that were announced years ago with a cinematic trailer thing that took years to come out and everything. So it's just it's. I'd say it's they're 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 getting in punt formation for this, but they might try to sneak it to a first down if we're going to continue with football references. They could always pull. I was just going to say they could always pull a Battlefront 2017 and just essentially recycle the game mechanics and just give it new levels. Zenger, for, for the audience at home, Chris, how would you describe Zenger's body language right now? 
He's not sure. He thinks it's a possibility. He's he's physically waffling. We should note that. He is waffling in real time. Because I don't want him to do that, but at the same time, it's what they're probably going to do. I think the best part about that was Zach unmuting for a few seconds, and you could literally hear crickets to my response. <laughs> <laughs> it's either that or the orbital bombardment. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's no. No. Yeah. You know, we're we're uh, coming up on two hours here. I just wanted to say one last thing. Um, for those of you who are, you know, who pay attention out there, we did have a we did have a Lucas sighting this week. You know, uh, he was hanging out with the uh, Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson. He got Russell posted Instagram picture hanging out with Lucas, and he's doing his patented. I know a photograph's being taken of me, but I'm going to look as unpleasant on my face as possible at the time. Like, you know, when every time he was photographed with Bob Iger at Galaxy's Edge, he made sure to look like he was in discomfort. And he does that again here with Russell Wilson. Oh, I got to see this picture. I, I want to have a feedback on this picture. Well, Zanger is looking this up in real time. Like, if you were to talk to Lucas, how do you, like not bring up anything that's happened in the last decade to him like how do you not ask him what do you think of the rise of skywalker the last jedi like or the mandalorian or big whiskey how, how do you not like how do you keep it solely to like clone wars and e- like earlier content like it would kill me oh no it wouldn't kill me i just immediately walk him and be like why'd you uncanonize this you freaking hack and then start beating him up he wouldn't remember what 2003 Clone Wars was, probably. Exactly. I, but, you know, but like he pops up on uh, on Mandalorian sets like that's an iconic photograph of of Lucas throwing his head back and laughing with Ahsoka Rosario Dawson, Zach. Fair enough. Why am I not finding this? Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos, George Lucas, Melody is also there. It's a good picture where Lucas looks annoyed. But and he's not wearing a plaid of any kind. It's crazy. What I, I don't I, I don't believe this photo then. You could find it in the Knights of Vader Facebook group posted by me. Oh man, but how do I narrow that down? Wrap it up while I look this up. All right, we're wrapping it up. All right, so conclude this episode of Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out the Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and you will find us there waiting for you. Instagram, at KOV Podcast. Find out what shenanigans the Portius with the Mortius is up to. Also, I want to thank everybody who has given us a... Five out of five star review on Spotify. We currently have 10 reviews. Um, That's phenomenal. That's more than I ever thought we'd ever get. So to everyone who's already rated us, I certainly appreciate that considering that it won't let you rate a podcast unless you've actually listened to it. So again, kudos to all of you that have listened and rated us that highest score. We appreciate it. And by all means, just have your friends, family, make them listen to it for 10 seconds. That's all it takes. And then just give us that star rating. We will love you forever. Uh, For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, feel free to contact me, Zach, on Twitter at Cinemodies. You can also find me on the Cinemodies podcast where Rob and I may or may not be talking about the movie Roar, depending on what Rob's mood is when editing it. Um, This month on Cinemodies, we're supposed to be talking about movies involving legendary accidents on set. The first film was Roar, starring Tippi Hedren and Melanie Griffith. Second film was Jimmy Sees the Abyss. 
Third film is the John Landis horrific nightmare of the Twilight Zone. Um, I don't know what's currently happening with that, but look forward to it if it's actually out by the time you're listening to this. But when you're not listening to Knights of Vader shenanigans, Zanger, what's going on in the Zang This podcast? Can I already pre-book myself for the Thor Love and Thunder discussion, or is it too early to call dibs? Um, it's not too early to call dibs at all. I'm still trying to figure out the logistics of me seeing that. By that, I just mean I need to buy tickets. So that's the complex logistics of that. Um, we are continuing our trudge through, actually not trudge, that makes it sound bad, our quest through the Avatar Airbender Nickelodeon series. We are almost finished with book two and moving on to book three, as well as our um, in-depth look at the world of Vox Machina for the Amazon series. So not movie focused at the moment, but definitely um, focused on some animated stuff. So there's cool. That. Yeah. I don't know what any of that meant, but it sounds neat. Chris, what are you up to in Canada land? I, you know, I've heard of anime, but anyways, um, uh, you know, you should definitely go ahead and follow me at the Chris Porteous on Instagram. Since 10 people actually gave us a Spotify review, I'm sure at least that many of you can follow me on Instagram. And while you're at it, follow at KOB podcast on Instagram as well. So you at least get a heads up when we post a new episode. That's all from me. Cool, cool, cool. Alrighty, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, may the force be with you.